Hello, 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 and welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. My name is Jake Adnip. I'm here with Sean Dwyer. You know what to do. How you doing? We're back this week with another MLB Farm System breakdown. With the All-Star break going on, there hasn't been too much going on in sports, but everything is going to be coming up here soon. So I know we just reactivated our fantasy league that we have together, or a couple of them at least, and have been chatting. So there's going to be a lot of talk uh, about football coming up here soon. So we want to make sure we give you our fix of baseball. Sean has a couple other, uh, a couple farm system breakdowns this week. We have the Texas Rangers and the San Diego Padres. So uh, as you guys know, we'll go through talk about their prospects talk about where they need to improve, who they need to get rid of in order to uh, get some of these younger guys into the MLB and be able to kind of turn the tides. So, Sean, this week, you know, out of the two teams, just a quick question, which one do you think has the better farm system? Out of these two teams, I do believe that the San Diego Padres do have the best farm system. I think they have the best farm system in their division, and that even that includes, you know, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Giants, and Rockies. And I think their farm system is better than all four of those teams. Of course. Now, on that note, we'll start with your lesser of two evils then and get on with the Texas Rangers. So just to start off with a quick breakdown of, you know, who they got in their top 30 prospects. They got 14 pitchers, four catchers, one first baseman, five middle infielders, and six outfielders. So give us a rundown of their top prospects, Sean. Well, to me, I think that their top prospects really, um, out of their 30, their top six are the best. Um, they, their top 30 isn't really that deep. You know, out of the 30, the top six really separate themselves, and that's Leody Tavares, Willie Calhoun, Ariel Juardo, Bubba Thompson, Cole Raggins, and Ricardo Rodriguez. Um, Leody Tavares is a top 20 prospect in Major League Baseball but he's a ways away. You know, he hasn't really separated himself this year as being great in advanced double A league. He's batting 232 with three home runs. You know, he hasn't really got off to a great start to his season. Willie Calhoun was raking at triple A, you know, 306 average in 94 games. He just got called up this week. Um, I think he's sitting at one for 10, two for 10 right now. And his at bats on the season in the major league. So Small sample size, but we'll see what's going to happen with them. Yeah, and, and Willie Calhoun came over from the Dodgers in the U Darvish deal, didn't he? Yeah, he was part of the U Darvish deal. Him, he was the centerpiece of that deal. You know, the Dodgers, you know, with all their outfield prospects and everything, they didn't really have any room for him. So they had an abundance and they made a trade for U Darvish to try and make a World Series run. Of course. Now, who else is there after Willie Calhoun? Um, Ariel Huardo, um, he pitched a couple times this year in the majors. I think once or twice he got the call up and made a start. Um, here he is. Okay. He's a uh, 0-1. He made one appearance in major leagues. He has a 7-7-1 ERA. Didn't really go that great for him. But his numbers at AA at uh, Frisco have been very good this year. You know, So I think that it's a good sign for him. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get roughed up a little bit, but it's all part of the growing pains. Exactly. 
And the last guy that I really that really stands out to me for them in the system is Cole Raggins. Um, hasn't pitched this yet this year. Um, not really sure why he's not injured. Um, I think he's just in rookie league, so their season is on a different time schedule. So we'll see what happens. Um, not really sure, but we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, and they drafted in the first round of the, the 2018 ba- uh, baseball draft this year. They drafted Cole Wynn from California. He's a pitcher. You know, he's got a fastball, slider, change-up mix. But what do you think about him? Well, I think he really helped himself with his draft stock because he, this year for high schools, he moved from Colorado to Southern California to try and get into a higher competitive area. And he did just that. And he performed very, very well in that change of scenery. And that really helped his draft stock and led to him being drafted in the first round. He was kind of a fringe first round, second round prospect, but he really set himself apart with that move. All right. Now, with that being said, now we know who to look out for in the farm systems. But how are they going to get there? And we got to kind of look in retrospect about the contracts that are currently on the team and are going away on the, you know, books short term and where we can fit these new guys in. So, you know, with Cole Hamels, he makes $23.5 That's a lot of money. How do you how do you think they get rid of him? Well, you know there have been some. His name has come up in trade talks that so far this year. Um, the Phillies have been interested, and that would be interesting, being they're the ones that traded him to Texas. Uh, but you know we'll see what happens with that. Atlanta has also been rumored to be interested to try and add to their pitching staff. To me, honestly, I don't think Cole Hamels moves. I think he stays in Texas, and at the end of the year. Texas takes the $6 million buyout and lets them become a free agent. And just moving on the list from there, you know, Adrian Beltre is, you know, a, a legend in baseball. You know, he's, yeah, he's for, getting old. He's played forever. Uh, to me, I would keep him around if he wants to for at least one more year. You know, they really don't have any prospects to fill that hole at third base. So instead, if they go out and make a deal with another guy and let Adrian Beltre walk, I don't know what's going to happen there. But I, Adrian Beltre is a guy that I would look to keep around. Just just kind of an influence on all these young guys that are going to be making through the, their way through the system within the next couple of years. And just finishing out this list, you know, after this season, there's Matt Moore, Martin Perez, Jake Diekman, and Robinson Trinos. So you got three pitchers and a catcher that are on their way out of deals at the end of this year if their options are not picked up for next year. So there's definitely potential to get these guys through, especially with some of those veteran guys, basically nearing the end of their career and or contracts that aren't going to be nude with the Rangers. Yeah, and you know, Matt Moore has been terrible this year. He has zero trade value, and he has a option to buy him out of a contract at the end of the year for $750,000. Um, if I'm Texas, I'm writing him that check right now just so he knows <laughs> – you're going to be a free agent at the end of the year because his his year has not gone well at all. Now, there's just a couple guys on the Rangers who are on the books long-term that really stick out. Elvis Andrews, their shortstop, is through 2022. Uh, Rignard Ordor is through 2022. And uh, his... Remember remember that part of his contract extension that he got? No, I don't. What was it? He had the part of his contract extension with the Rangers was they were kind of at a standstill 
um, fun story, money-wise, uh, where he wanted more and they didn't want to pay him that. So he said, fine, if you don't want to give me the rest of that money, I want you to buy two horses from my ranch in Venezuela. And so the Rangers bought him two horses for his ranch in Venezuela. Oh, how nice. Well, Sinchu Chu is also on the books through 2020. But, I mean, is the talent in this organization enough to take over the spot of all these, you know, really good people? I do believe so. I don't think that the Rangers need to make any flash judge, super flashy moves in free agency because look at the division that they're in. They're not going to be making a run at this division for a couple years. They don't need to go out and force the issue for next year because, you know, you're not going to get past the Houston Astros right now. And then, you know, Seattle's been strong too. And then you have the Angels who are the best player in baseball. You know, he could carry them. It could be a freak show and he could carry them to a playoff spot. So the Rangers are really in a odd spot right now where they're kind of blocked out of the playoffs for the foreseeable future. So with that in mind, yeah, you know what? If you're gonna if you're not gonna be competitive anyway, you might as well make some of these young put some of these young guys in an everyday lineup starting next year and just see what happens. Nobody really knows with baseball. There's hundred sixty something games. Anything can happen. So the Rangers, they don't need to go out and make giant free agent deals. They might need to go out and grab some, you know, free agent pitchers here and there just to try and fill a rotation or a bullpen. But lineup wise, you have guys in the system that could fill holes. You know, Yurikson Profar has been a super utility guy for them, just playing every day, but in a different position with every other off days. And he's hit well. But if you find him an everyday spot and he can stop worrying about playing different positions, I think his hitting could take another step forward. I think that's something for Texas. You know, if you play him somewhere every day, he could be an all star. Of course. Now, who do you think? out of the guys that we've talked about so far in this farm system are going to be the ones who make an impact big enough to be on the opening day roster next year? Um, I think right now there's only two guys in this system that are going to be on the opening day roster next year, and that's Willie Calhoun. I think he'll do enough through the end of this year being up to earn a spot for next year. And to me, you know, the, with the contract expiring for Robinson Chirinos, he's just getting off of his rookie deal and he's almost into his mid-30s. So his development has been really slow, and he hasn't taken any major steps forward. I say just let him walk at the end of this year because you have a guy in Jose Trevino who's played up at the MLB level some this year. He's done pretty well. Excuse me, sorry. So with – um all this to beg for, you know, how, how long do you think it is until Texas can be competitive in the division again? Well, it's, I'm not really sure. Uh, in the division, I'm looking at, you know, they have, with the way that the Astros have set themselves up, they're not going to be doing any big deals or losing any big pieces for maybe another two years. So that puts them at like 2020, 2021 should be the year that the Rangers should be circling or at least making a move at a wild card. And then after that, you know, I'm not really sure. It depends a lot on the other teams in the division. They're not really in a great division, and they don't have any high super game-changing prospects in their system. They have some good pieces, but they don't have a Mike Trout or a Bryce Harper or a guy that's going to come up and just 
prove himself right away like Juan Soto has done this year for the Nationals. They don't have those pieces, so they're going to have to wait for some development, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I mean, Texas has always had that knack for kind of sneaking out of nowhere and, you know, kind of being sneaky good without having a star player. But, you know, like we said, a lot of these guys are getting older, and a lot of these teams are starting to embrace rebuilds. So we'll see if Texas goes that route. Now, with that being said, we're going to take a little break before we start our farm system breakdown for the San Diego Padres. So we'll be back in just a second. All righty, then let's dive into the San Diego Padres farm system, Sean. Uh, We'll start off like we did last time with a little breakdown of the top prospects in their system. Um, of the top 30 from the MLB pipeline, they got 15 pitchers, only one catcher, a couple first basemen, two, uh, seven middle infielders, and five of those guys are in the outfield. So uh, break down who you think are going to be some of these top guys for the Padres. Well, I do think, you know, going over this, this is, you know, the highest rated prospect that we've talked about so far in our rebuilds, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr. is their number one. Um, he's the number three overall prospect in baseball. Um, not doesn't really have super outstanding numbers at double A so far. He's hitting 286 with 16 home runs and 16 stolen bases. If he can get that average up a little bit, I think he'll finish the year at triple A and we'll go from there because he has all the other stuff. He just has to figure out the hitting. Um, his defense is very good. He has a good baseball background with his dad, of course, being Fernando Tatis. And so we'll just see where this, where he goes. If we get the hitting up at the end of the year. Um, but just gonna, well, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think you forgot to mention that he's a shortstop. So he is one of those middle infielders we were talking yes. about. Yes, he is. I'm sorry. Um, next, we have Mackenzie Gore, who is a pitcher. Um, he was drafted in the 2017 draft, I believe. He was what, the best pitching prospect out of Georgia before this year when you had some other guys come out. But he's a beast. You know, I, I really do like him. He doesn't have super great numbers so far this year at A-ball. But I do think he's, he has more than enough stuff to get it together right and get into the MLB within the next three years. Uh, going down the list, Francisco Mejia, he was just traded to San Diego from Cleveland in the Brad Hand deal. Uh, number 15 prospect in baseball. He's been average so far in AAA with the Indians, and that's why we haven't seen him up so far this year. And there's also been questions on where he's going to play defensively. You know, He came up as a catcher. And then the Indians in an act to try and get him into the lineup, moved him to the outfield. Well, Padres have a good outfield um, set up so far with Manuel Margot, Hunter Renfro, and then pushing Will Myers out there with Eric Eric Hosmer deal. So I think he moves back to catcher in the San Diego system. Next is Luis Urias, who is a second base shortstop. Um, Not really – sure where he's going to end up playing long-term. I'm leaning more towards second base because, you know, Tatis is right there. He's higher rated in the system. Uh, I think he's the most MLB-ready prospect as of today in San Diego's system. Hitting 278 at AAA with a very good walk-to-strikeout ratio. He doesn't – he strikes out just about every time he walks, so that's what you like to see with young hitters, and I think he's got that. And he's a good defender at shortstop or second base. I'm just going to skip down a little bit to the next guy that really intrigues me is that's Josh Naylor. He's the first base prospect to me, 
but everybody believes he's a DH. And being in a National League system where there is no DH, it's just interesting to see what they're going to do with him because he has good power and he has good plate discipline, hitting 314 with an on-base percentage of 400. It's just going to be interesting to me to see what San Diego does with him long-term because they have Eric Hosmer at first base and there's no DH position to slide him into. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, that's some that's sometimes when you find yourself moving a prospect or a piece like that when you know you can actually get a pretty good return on something else you might need. And we're talking yeah. about some of those those positions obviously here in a second, but you know, they just drafted another pitcher this year in the first round, Ryan Weathers. You know, his dad played pro ball. He was a Tennessee player of the year in high school. And, you know, he's already pitching between 90 and 93 with his fastball. You know, he's got major league, major league arm, obviously. So what do you think this kid has to offer the Padres? Well, to me, Ryan Weathers profiles as a big-time relief pitcher, you know, kind of that Josh Hader role of coming out and striking out seven guys after facing seven guys. I don't see him right now profiling as a starting pitcher which is why this pick kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, I saw San Diego going with, you know, getting to them on the draft board. You know, there's Brady Singer was still there. Libertor was still there. And Carter Stewart was still there on the board. And those were all start young starting pitchers. Um, Ryan Weathers obviously is a great arm. He's going to have success in the major leagues. I do believe that. But the pick for San Diego, you know, I saw them going starting pitching. I don't think Ryan Weathers profiles long-term as a starting pitcher. But you know what? He's going to be a great addition to their farm system, and I think he's going to have success in the majors. Yeah, when you have that type of power already, and he, he will get faster most likely, they start to peak right, right about you know, 21, 22 years old. So you'll be able to find out how powerful that kid can really be. Now, some of these contracts, like we talked about before, are – getting up right away and they don't they have the prospects to fill them i think so but it just depends on how they turn out like you said so you know in 2018 chase headley is their third baseman their his contract's up freddie galvis is up tyson ross aj ellis their catchers so they have some work to do after this year and even next year they lose a couple guys so what do you think about the chances of some of these younger guys moving up and into these spots um, to me, San Diego's farm system kind of plays out a lot like you know the one we just covered with Texas, where they have guys that are big time players or go or they're going to be big time players, but they're not ready yet, and they're not going to possibly be ready next year. You know, looking at the list and everything, they're not going to have a lot of guys ready for 2018. So we'll see. Um, I think that with all these contracts expiring, you know, Tyson Ross is a name to me, you know, if he can get his pitching together a little bit more before the July 31st trade deadline, I think he's on the move somewhere just to try and get back some more prospects, some more lottery tickets for the San Diego Padres. Um, AJ Ellis, you know, he was Clayton Kershaw's catcher for a while, kind of got dealt and forgotten about. Freddie Galvis is interesting to me. You know, he hasn't hit with San Diego after coming over from the Phillies. So I think they might let him walk. And Chase Headley, you know, he's kind of a name that's been around forever. I think his time is finally done. But then 2019, you know, the Padres have some pitchers coming off the board with Clayton Richard, Greg Stammen. 
So, you know, to me, looking at the San Diego Padres, I don't think they need to make a lot of moves. I think they have some talent that'll fill some holes next year. They might need to make a couple short-term free agent moves just to try and get through the season. But in the same position Texas was, you know, you've got the Dodgers and the Rockies and the Diamondbacks ahead of you. You have a little bit of time to develop players without being forced into a win-now mode. But they will definitely need to have a Band-Aid fix over the next few years just to kind of fill some holes. Yes, exactly. They're, you know, they're going to need to fill holes. A lot of these guys aren't going to be ready for 2019. So San Diego is probably going to be active in the 2018-2019 free agent market, but they're not going to be involved with any big names. I think they're going to take one to two year contracts with maybe an option for a third on some positions um, like pitcher and maybe on a, a third baseman. But I don't see them making any giant splashes in free agency. Yeah, well, the, there's just a couple guys who they have on the books long-term, but it, it's really long-term. We already talked about our boy Eric Hosmer. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, he's on the books through 2025, so they're not going to have to shore up a first baseman spot for a while. Yeah, And, no. and like you said about a DH, so they may be making some moves with that type of stuff. And then Will Myers, uh, he's on the books through 2024. And, you know, Eric Hosmer took his position and moved him to the outfield. So they've already done that whole switcheroo once. Yeah, so Will Myers and Eric Hosmer are going to be two guys that are in the lineup for the next, you know, six, seven years for the San Diego Padres and everything that their contracts plays out the full length. So those are two spots that you're not really going to be looking for any prospects to fill. You know, you got one outfield spot and a first base spot settled up and done with for the next seven years so they can focus on other positions yeah that's nice i know we talked about some of the guys who are out of their contracts here at the end of the year so with that with that being said who do you think is going to be able to take their spots or be on the opening day roster next year out of these prospects um to me it's two guys are going to be for sure to me it's luis urias and francisco mejia where Mejia ends up at is, I believe, is catcher, but he could end up in an outfield spot depending on you know, some other extenuating circumstances. But I do think he'll be up. Luis Urias, I think he'll start next year at shortstop. Um, with, that, with that being said, that is dependent on Fernando Tatis not making the opening day roster, which I think he, he might. It's a, he's a long shot to make the roster, but it's not – a super long shot to me. So if that happens, Luis Urias obviously slides over to second base and Fernando Tatis goes to shortstop. So we'll see. But those are the three guys that I think could possibly make the opening day roster next year. Now, with the same situation that we talked about, you know, San Diego's kind of sitting at the bottom of a really good division right now. So how long do you think it'll be before they can turn their tides and really contend for their division or even maybe, uh, you know, a pennant? Well, to me, being super optimistic, if I'm super optimistic on the Padres, and this is without having looked at the contract situations for the Rockies, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, and Giants, I'm going to put their best shot at winning a division somewhere in that 2020-2021 range. And that's going to be – it's also dependent on all of these top prospects that we've talked about developing – and being on this roster and them having good seasons. 
So that's just me being, if I'm a super optimistic Padres fan, I'm looking at 2020, 2021 as being the time for the division. And after that, you have like a three or four year window to where they might get to a, you're going to want to get to a World Series before you have to start looking at re-signing some of these guys that are on rookie deals. So if I'm, you know, going back to being super optimistic Padres fan, I'm looking at 20. 25 is maybe being a World Series year at the end of the run. Yeah, that's even getting kind of crazy because they would have to have a pretty magical run to even make the playoffs at this yeah. point, you know, and you should be able to knock all three of those teams out of playoff contention would be really, really tough to do. Yeah, because, you know, the Dodgers aren't going anywhere. You know, they have – probably the third most money to spend in baseball. So they're never going to have any holes in their roster for too long. Um, the Diamondbacks, you know, might slip off here in a little bit. But the Giants, you can't count them out. You know, they, they've won three World Series recently. They have management who knows what they're doing. You know, this was supposed to be a down year for them, and they're three games out of first place at the All-Star break. You can't count the Giants out. The Rockies, you can't count out because if they have a good day at home, they've hit seven home runs in one game because of the ballpark they play in, and they're going to win a lot of games at home. So they're in a very tough division. I think that the NL West is probably one of the top three hardest divisions in baseball to win. So we'll see what happens. All right. Now, with all of our farm system basically being broken down, I basically want to ask you today, who who are you the highest on that we've mentioned or that you think has the best shot here in the majors? Well, out of both farm systems we've talked about today, the one guy that I am the highest on as of today is Logan Allen, a pitcher out of the San Diego system, pitching at, I believe it is Double A San Antonio. On the year, he is 10-4 with a 2.66 ERA a 195 batting average against with 113 strikeouts to 34 walks. Those are the best numbers for a pitcher right now in San Diego's system. Um, he's got a very good changeup with a 92-94 fastball, and he's been working on his curveball a lot. And he ended up coming over to San Diego in the deal that set Craig Kimbrell to Boston. So Logan Allen is a name that, you might be hearing from maybe, you know what, maybe by the end of the year, I think he might have get earn a shot, you know, at September call-ups to get onto the roster and make a, sh- make a net, make some noise out of the bullpen. Well, yeah, they definitely always do that little shuffle rue at the end of the year, especially if you're not in contention, give some guys some at bats, but don't, you know, get rid of their rookie status. Give them a couple, couple chances to check out what the majors are really like. Now, with that, all that being done, we are going to wrap up yet another episode of Just Saying Sports. As always, thank you for listening. Please like, share, subscribe, do whatever you want to do with our podcast. Just make sure you give us a listen. And as always, my name is Jake Atnip. I'm Sean DeWire. Thank you for listening to Just Saying, and we'll see you again next week.